0: A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Welcome back, Rebels and Imperials, to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. My name is Brian, with me as always are Liz and Matt, and we are here to talk about the third batch of episodes from Andor. Um, however, unlike the first two episodes, this is not a complete arc because it appears that This is at least a four-episode, if not a six-episode arc that's happening right now. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a little bit hard to talk about this sort of in progress, but we're going to give it our best shot. So, Matt, um, I got a text from a friend of the show, uh, fellow Multiversity podcaster Greg Matasevich today, and I just want to read you exactly what he said to me. Quote, I anxiously await Matt's explanation of why Andor isn't the best show on television right now. So... <laughs> wow! That...
1: <laughs> I, I thought there what? was more after that. That, <laughs> was, that was succinct.
2: No, you... I mean I will say, um, as a pure nerd, the problem is that Bleach Thousand Year War has started simulcasting uh, fair from enough. Japan, and that is simply the best anime I've ever seen. Um, okay, fair enough. So that that's the third answer. The other part is. I liked these three episodes. Good. I don't know why the episodes before them existed. Um, but also, I will say, even maybe you guys feel different, than that, but even as much as I liked half of these episodes, there still was the imperial part that is really just dull and got creepy for no reason we now have very breaking bad vibes in it i don't i don't know um i think it has wonderful pieces but i don't think it comes together as a show i think that's where i'm at with it right now okay good pieces it's not a cohesive
0: show Okay, uh at least you like these episodes better. <laughs> I did. I think that's, I did. that's important. That,
1: that, that was a small, bright light for us.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Liz, what did you think o- sort of overall of these three episodes?
1: overall, i I, I liked these episodes and i I think I, I agree with Matt that I feel like these are um, cohesive. I mean, I liked the other two arcs as well. Um, I, I feel like I was thinking a bit more just about the show overall. And I'm sure this is something that's probably been, you know, mentioned elsewhere, I I assume, but I feel like this is the first Star Wars show I can think of. We always talk about how Star Wars is for kids. And I feel like this is the first Star Wars show that I can think of that is not for kids. I can't see a kid enjoying this show. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's nothing here for, for children, um, which makes it very different than every other Star Wars show. I I still like it, but I I think that definitely sets it apart from all other Star Wars shows.
0: Yeah. And and that's actually a really good way to discuss. I mean, I, I think that even the Star Wars stuff that maybe wasn't meant explicitly for kids is often framed as kid friendly. And, you know, there might be a couple of moments here and there that aren't super kid friendly. But overall, you know, it's it, it works for children. I would think my kids would be very bored by most of this show. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are times they'd be very disturbed by this show. I think that specifically yes. the last episode, Nobody's Listening, yes. there were a couple of moments in that episode that were legitimately terrifying and dark as fuck.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and even when Cassian was being sent to his... Uh, prison um i i felt like that was very um ominous it just yes. it's not it's not for kids it's not for children yeah yeah it, it yeah that was
2: that 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 was again scarier than any sith lord we've ever seen is the indifference of that prison yes <laughs> yeah
0: yeah absolutely. i feel like as
2: an adult like that sinks in as a kid i think it would just be very boring for 90% of it.
0: Right. Yeah. That, that, that's a really good way of putting it. Um, so let's talk about the first episode a little bit called Announcement. This is the episode that we see sort of the the um, the fallout of the Aldani heist. We see, um, you know, Mon Mothma finds out about it and is worried about it. We see that everybody is kind of, It it affects each character in the show a little bit differently, but it sort of affects Mon Mothma the most because now she realizes that she has to sort of step up her game and that she doesn't she wants more control in what's happening in the rebellion. And I think the scene between Mon Mothma and Tay, which is the name of her uh, Chandrillan friend. That first scene when they're at the party and she says, like, you know, or he, he, he says to her something like, you know, my politics might be a little bit strong for you, and then she uses the line back on him at the end of that scene. I think that's one of the best written Star Wars scenes I've ever seen. Like, that scene was really nuanced. It was really well played. But more than, any, more than the performances, just the way it's written gives – It gives form to an idea that I've been struggling with through this show so far, which was I understand where the feelings of the rebellion came from. I can understand where some of the raw materials of the rebellion came from, but where did the money come from? Because... You know, when we first see the Rebellion in A New Hope, they're on Yavin 4, they have this big base, like, something bankrolled that, right? And I've been kind of wondering if we're going to get into sort of the financial politics of the Rebellion, and that episode, I thought, set that up really, really well. Um, Did either of you guys enjoy that scene as much as I did? I liked it. I I did...
2: I... I don't know. For, For me, I... I get Picking out that scene, that scene was very good. I can't say that I am loving the Mon Mothma arc at the moment. I think it's taking a lot of power away from like in the original trilogy, like the strongest female character Star Wars has. And making her very much almost a victim over her head. Um, and I don't know how much I like that portrayal. Maybe it'll pull together a bit more as we move forward, but it feels like she's just kind of, I don't know, just in too deep and being talked into by, uh, Luther and, um, I don't remember her cousin's
1: name. Phil. Vel. Um, Vel, Yeah. Liz, what about you? I liked it. I, I feel like she is a person trapped in this system. I mean, she's someone that conceivably has a lot of money, a lot of power, but, and she does mention that, and I forget her exact words, that she is someone that people underestimate. Mm -hmm. Um, And whether, you know, that's intentional um, on her part, or if it's something that she is in some ways now using to her advantage. Um, with her involvement here in the rebellion with the rebels. If she's someone that, you know, people underestimate, like her friend here, I, you know, no one is going to really suspect what she is doing. And it, I, I think sometimes it can be tough to not tell people what you are really up to if it's something that you truly believe in. Like it seems like she is with the rebellion here And I liked that line because it gave her the opportunity to say something to someone. Mm -hmm. And I was hoping she would, because the minute he said that to her, I was like, oh, little does this guy know.
0: Right, right. Um,
1: And I I liked that. It gave her the chance to say something to someone. And she never really has that opportunity. She has to keep everything quiet.
0: Yeah, you know, Matt, I understand what you're saying about sort of her being in over her head. But I think that she's in over her head for a reason that we're going to see work itself out pretty quickly. And I think the reason okay. that she's in over her head is because, well, let me back up for one quick second. I do think it's pretty remarkable how, like, anti-police, anti-prison, anti-capitalist the show is. There is a lot of sort of very clear leftist ideology mm-hmm. In this show, and that is something that you just don't see in, in media, in mainstream media, let alone in Star Wars, all that often. Um, and so, I think that her, I think that her struggle is that she is trying to both be a rebel and a functioning part of the government. Mm. I think once she gives up the government role, we're going to see the Mon Mothma that we saw in the original trilogy. To me, to me, this is like there's a scene in the most recent episode where she is speaking on the Senate floor and there's like nobody listening. People are kind of heckling her. And it's just Mm -hmm. this I think it's this very clear sign of like the Democratic approach to this is not working. There needs to be something else. And I think she's starting to see that. But I think that because that's the system she comes from, there is a certain amount of fear involved with her there, too. You know, Mm -hmm. she got into this to fight this fight one way, and, you know, uh, she brought a knife to a gunfight, essentially. (laughs) Um, But yeah, um, on the Mon Mothma sort of beat, I also think it's interesting to show how... Like I, I never got the impression in the second and third episodes. Uh, the second episode was called uh, Narquina Five, which is the name of the uh, the prison planet. Both of those episodes, we start to see that her husband suspects something is up. Like the way that the way that he looks at her in there's another like uh, party scene in that episode, and he just gives her a look where like he knows that something's going on that she's not being totally up front with and then him calling Tay her old boyfriend in the most recent episode you get the sense that he is starting to think I don't think he I don't think he's thinking she's forming a rebellion I think he's probably (laughs) thinking she's fucking around but it definitely seems like he is he is suspicious of something there Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's interesting because the show has done a really good job of presenting him as just like a blowhard somebody who doesn't really have any real convictions is happy to be in the lap of luxury, and I wonder if him noticing these, I wonder if, if he cares enough to say anything, or if he is content to be essentially, um, you know, a, a figurehead of a marriage, you know, to have this sort of sham marriage so that he can keep living the life that he wants to live.
1: Yeah, he seems like a character to me that is willing to do what he needs to do in order to continue living the life he wants to live Mm -hmm. and I'm curious to see what he's willing to sacrifice in order to do that
0: what about you Matt any thoughts on him
2: yeah I yeah I I, I don't know
0: because
2: he does seem like just kind of he seemed less I don't know less slimy in these episodes I don't know I, I, I saw it more as he he's becoming more aware that there is something going on it's not just her normal um, throwing money at charity causes that there's something going on so I, I am interested to see how keen he is or as you put it how much he cares mm-hmm. so I think the real wild card is the daughter in that um, dynamic so that's that's what I was paying more attention to. I think.
0: Yeah, the daughter is an interesting piece here because she basically says a couple of times in the in the uh, episode, like, "My dad lets me do what he wants to what he want what I, what I want to do." Right. So her father is, <clears throat> excuse me, this very like low impact parent who doesn't really put much on her, and you get the impression that Mon is not that person. The Mon is tries to be more strict and and sort of proper parent and you can see why that why their daughter would lean towards their dad I mean I think all of us when we're teenagers you know sort of when you know when to approach each parent with something right like you you know when this is something that dad's gonna say yes to and mom isn't or vice versa and um you know I, I I wonder what she would even think about the idea of a rebellion
1: yeah. 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 I, from, I mean, from what I've seen, it seems like she wouldn't really know or care. But we've seen so little; it's tough to tell.
0: Yeah. Now, in terms of the, uh, I, I'm saving the uh, the prison stuff for last. I want to talk about uh, poor Cyril here. Cyril, I think it's Cyril. I I, Cyril. I I write it more than I say it. So Cyril, mm-hmm. and the way um, it's spelled is awkward. Yes, it is. Um, but so I thought that I think his arc is. I I know Matt is not as big of a fan of of his arc as as I am, but I think that his sort of um. He has. I, I, have I ever seen the movie Jarhead? Yes, but a long time ago. Okay, so there, there's a scene in Jarhead where Jarhead's about two um, uh, marine snipers and they are going to, they set up this, this. they go on this like, long trip and they're about to kill this guy and then someone else comes in and basically says, nope, we're taking over, you can't do it. And the one guy like freaks out because his whole job is to do this thing and they're not letting him do this thing. He, there, there's all this tension and the release is doing the thing and they're not letting him do the thing. And that's very much how I feel about Cyril's um, sort of arc here is that his like whole purpose is about bringing people to justice in his fucked up vision of justice, but like his whole being is about having to having to clear his name and and convict Cassian Andor of the things that he did, and he is haunted by this, and he is not allowed to do it. And I think that the impotence in that is really compelling for me. I totally understand. That character's struggle, even if he's annoying, um, I definitely understand sort of what he is, what he is going through. And then in this last episode, nobody's listening. We see him basically stalking um, Dedra, the imperial investigator, and yeah, he's
2: Todd from Breaking Bad.
0: <laughs> yes, essentially, he is Todd from Breaking Bad. Um, uh, you know, he just he he really. He is so obsessed with, with what she's doing. I think he's maybe also falling in love with her? Question mark? Maybe? I don't know. I kind of hope he's not because that's a little bit cheesy. But I feel like he's certainly infatuated with both the power that she has and her sort of, their, their dual missions of justice that they're on.
1: The thing that I found interesting is I feel like Cyril and Dedra are not that different. When we first saw Dedra in this arc, one of her own uh, imperial, I guess, like he was below her, wanted to report her for stepping beyond the bounds of her job. Mm-hmm. And, and it did seem like her boss was fine with it because she is so consumed with figuring out how this one plot by the rebels is going to inf- uh, is how it's going to affect I, what their plan is ultimately, which isn't that far off, I, I feel, from what Cyril is doing. Right. It's just that she has more power. mm mm-hmm which I feel like makes him creepier in a sense. I don't know. So at what level of power does stepping beyond the bounds of your job make things okay or make things less creepy or allow? I don't know. It's interesting because I feel like they're both motivated in similar ways. Um, it's funny. It, it, interesting. It's,
0: it's, yeah. It's almost like she would just happen to be lucky that she had a supervisor who cared or who listened. Mm-hmm. He didn't like, it just comes down to something random and lucky like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're both ambitious, but it just worked out for her, not for him.
0: Yeah. Matt, what do you think of Cyril's arc right now?
1: Uh,
2: I don't I don't know. I guess what maybe once it touches the main story again, it just feel it feels very far off from anything else that's happening. Um, that I I just can't be brought to find that too interesting because he is I don't find him a very intriguing character I find him a very boring character Um, and I think we get enough of the space Nazi stuff in the interactions with um, for example like Bix and things like that I don't know why we need this other layer of Obsessive wannabe space Nazi. Um, I don't know what he's bringing to the table just yet. Maybe so, it becomes important. I don't know.
0: So I actually think that there's an important distinction in his arc versus Dedra's arc, which is that I think for her, I mean, she even says at one point, if I was a rebel, this is how I would do things. I think that she is able to look at this as a job and she is consumed by her job this is not his job he is like we have not met too many imperial true believers we have met imperial power hungry folks who are doing all they can to ensure that they get their piece of the pie like i think a grand moff tarkin or uh, orson krennic like these characters clearly believe in what they're doing but I don't know if either of them feel like they're doing it for the glory of the empire versus so much as they're doing it to further their careers and power. I think that showing a showing an imperial true believer, even after he was silenced by the empire, <laughs> he he is a, the, 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 this is going to sound crazy. I meant to write about this but didn't have space today. Like he is essentially the Jedi of the Empire. <laughs> he is somebody who believes in the core principles of the empire to the nth degree. And you can see that Dedra is a little bit like creeped out by that even though theoretically they are on the same side and believe in the same things. Like she is not she doesn't have the wild eyes he has. He has like Charles Manson eyes when he talks mm-hmm. about the empire. And I don't know if we've ever really seen that before. We've seen that for the like, you know, for power, for money, for the dark side, even, but never for the Empire. And I, I find that interesting.
1: Hmm. That is interesting. Did Did he lie to his mom when he said he got a promotion?
0: No, because he says he says to Dedra. Basically, thank you for the promotion, and she said, Look, uh, "I didn't do anything. I just you're right, yeah. You know, I kind of cleared him. I thought he was lying. Too. I thought I thought that was his cover story, yeah, for why he was going to be hanging out outside of her office all day. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you're right. I forgot. Yeah, I, I immediately assumed it was
0: a lie, but now I remember. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Um, now the scene I really want to talk to Matt about because I know Matt's a big fan of this character is how if you didn't love the Saw Gerrera scene, I don't know what to say, Matt. Like, that, you, that's, I was going to say, you. that was a scene that
2: I loved um, because I think it really opens a door to a piece of the Rebels that we don't cover a lot, and I think this show has the opportunity to show. And I also, in my heart, I don't know, in my heart, why did I say that? Um, But where (laughs) I think Mon Mothma's character really will come into her own is where in the Senate, she was not able to bring together these planets to help um, further the idea of galactic peace. She might be able to bring these splinter groups together. Um, The anarchists, the revolutionaries... The mercenaries, the neo-imperialists,
0: the, the separatists—all those, yeah,
2: yeah—the idea of how divided all of them are, um, that it is not a rebel alliance um, at this point; it's rebel cells, right? And at times, rebel cells working against each other.
0: Yes, and, and that you can see Luthen's struggle with this, where he is trying to convince Saw to help somebody. And saw just like can't, you know, I mean, I- in some ways I understand because I think that all of us about the things we are really passionate about can look at somebody who from the outside, like I I feel like this is the equivalent of your mom making a play date because she confused Star Wars and Star Trek and she thinks like <laughs> oh it's the same thing you guys will get along fine and like no mother he doesn't like Star Trek you know there's just, there's you can get very defensive about. Like the things that you're very passionate about. And so it kind of seems like Luthen is trying to show them the he's trying to show saw the similarities between the cells and all saw can see are the differences. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think you're I think Mon Motho is going to be an important part of that journey. Uh, Liz, what do you think of the saga scene?
1: I thought it was good. Um, You know, I I thought it maybe linked uh, this series to things uh, from, you know, other things we know, but I don't think I can add anything more than what both of you have said. Uh,
0: I I bet Forrest Whitaker had to work one day on this. (laughs) Yeah, I
1: know. (laughs) I was thinking that. I was like, oh, I can't believe they got Forrest Whitaker
0: here. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, they probably even flew. Stellan Skarsgård to wherever Forrest Whitaker was, just let him do the <laughs> let him do the scene in his living room or whatever, you know. Yeah,
2: <clears throat> that cave is just outside his house.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he lives in Utah or something, right? So there's yeah. a, a cave
2: there. Um, yeah, it, it, it was really great though, um, and I, I am interested to see what other. Because we, we talk about this Rebel Alliance. Um, the Rebel Alliance, theoretically headed by Mon Mothma, um, as we're meant to kind of understand it, but really have only explored a small sliver of those factions. We've explored, um, you know, obviously Phoenix Squadron. We've seen Saw's Rebels. We've seen whatever you want to dump... Um, Cassian's bucket into. Um, I would say that's, like, then,
0: Luthan's... That's Luthan's, uh... You know... Yeah,
2: L- Yeah. Luthen's crew. crew. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, Hera's dad. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the Leia bunch. But that's, like, 20 people right. of this entire movement. It's interesting to see... Um, the strange bedfellows that are going to come together to be this Alliance. Because that by the time we see, this is what I guess we'll talk about, especially it kind of sucks in the prison part. Um, We know the end point of this is a unsteady Alliance where there still is distrust, but there is um, theoretical movement forward Jin can, brings the rebels together right. into a solid force um, and then gets blown up along with the main character of our two season series um, so we know we're going to get to that point and it's interesting to see how far we are from that right now
0: yeah I mean it, it definitely seems like the the dream of a rebel alliance right now is a is one that isn't directly in our grasp yet, right? Mm -hmm. And also, I mean, you got to realize, we see, like you said, we see Jin Erso make a speech that ultimately is rejected by the Alliance leadership. Mm -hmm. And then they sort of go on their mission anyway, the Rogue One crew go on their mission despite what Mon Mothma and co. say. Mm -hmm. And so after that event... We still I mean, I don't even know how I don't know how unified the rebellion is until we meet Mon Mothma in Return of the Jedi.
2: <laughs> oh. I, oh. Um Radis is a big piece of that. Because the other huge faction that we have not talked about, and I unfortunately don't think is going to be a part of this series, are the Mon Kalmari.
0: That's true. The Mon
2: Kalmari are one of the few non-imperial worlds that like exist yeah they are in open rebellion um and radis really brings them in full force but i don't think you're gonna have a bunch of fish people um (laughs) on disney
0: plus in our like dark gritty (laughs) rebel show i mean who who knows i I, i'm I'm not sure. sure um but no i like like you know i the I guess we. I guess by the time of Hoth, actually, when we see the Rebel Alliance on Hoth, they seem to be pretty well organized. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe it's you know maybe that's the sort of locus point of when everything starts to come to start to really come together after the Death Star has been blown up. And I would think like you know I know Saw Gerrera is dead at that point, but I would think that even a even someone like Saw Gerrera would look at the destruction of the Death Star and see that as a net positive for the rebellion. Mhm. So maybe maybe that's actually the uh the event that brings everybody together. I don't know. Unfortunately, that story is not going to be told in Andor. Although I wonder if we'd see like a a series set in the original trilogy going with the Mon Mothma stuff.
2: Maybe. I
0: don't or know. Or a
2: post trilogy where serial Um, Joins the First Order.
0: Yes. Well, he 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 was he is like the poster child for the Mm. First Order. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Before we get into the actual prison stuff, I do want to talk for a moment about Bix's interrogation that we get this week. We should also say, like, I'm surprised that Bix and uh, Cassian's mother are still part of the show. I thought we weren't going to see them again, but they're they're there. And Bix is interrogated by, and we never get to hear it, thankfully, but there is this recording of children being slaughtered, Mm -hmm. and, you know, they basically say, like, we, (laughs) it's funny, I had, I don't know if I said it on the podcast where I wrote it, but, like, because of my work in audio, I could technically be recruited by the Empire if I lived at this time. And like, I realized, <laughs> like, oh, this guy is doing my job. I would be this horrible, <laughs> uh, you know, hate monger. But you know, but the um, so she has to listen to children just being murdered, and it is one of the scariest things I've ever seen in a Star Wars show. And we and we see and hear nothing. We just see her reaction to it. And goddamn, was it was it cold?
2: Hmm. Yeah, it's and uh, yeah, and it's interesting again seeing the empire as what they've always been. I mean, they've always been evil. They've always been the space Nazis. But this show is not afraid to make them not um, likable and redeeming. I feel like Star Wars always, for some reason, has to walk this fine line. Of even the bad guys are you know, likable when they're, you know, committing genocide. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're not afraid to go there with this one, which is good.
1: yeah, something I, I like about this show is I, I feel like it's examining what gets regular people involved in the rebellion, or w- at what point, do people decide to make certain decisions? Like when uh, Dedra is interrogating Bick, she talks at first, but the point at which she won't talk is about Cassian. And it seems like she's willing to be tortured in this terrible way for him. Mm-hmm. And we didn't think we would see Cassian's mother again, But what I thought was interesting is a a lot of times, I I think, in hero stories, heroes are young. They're naive. We see Luke Skywalker, hero's journey Um, in the show Rebels. I think, you know, our hero is young. A lot of times in Star Wars, our heroes are sort of, you know, they're preordained. They're Jedi. We know who our heroes are going to be, who's going to pick up the mantle. But, you know, Cassian's mother is old and she's like, you know, I'm old, I've made a decision. I would like you know, to be part of the rebellion in any way. And Cassian's younger. I mean, he's not young, but he's like, I that's not for me. He kind of tried it and it's not for him. And I, I think at this point now we have to see, and I, I think we kind of see in these in the last episode in this arc, maybe what it might be for him, maybe at this point. Um, you know, what is it that you know, breaks, for lack of a better term, of regular people. You know, we see what the empire is willing to do here. Um, And, you know, at what point does Cassian decide to join um, the rebels here? And we see, you know, people are willing to live their regular lives and overlook things. We see um, Mon's husband, you know, obviously he's wealthy, he lives a good life. We see some of Cassian's friends who are sort of living day to day. Maybe they're not happy with the Empire, but they're not necessarily joining the rebellion. So, you know, w- what's that point for people? Right. Um, which I find interesting. They're just regular, everyday people. And a lot of us are, you know, generally in everyday life willing to put up with many things. Um, so that's what I find particularly interesting in this series.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's that's really well said, Liz. Um... mm mm-hmm. I think it's also showing; it's doing both things. It's it's just showing why people become rebels, and then through Perrin, aka Mister Mon Mothma, it's showing why people don't become rebels. Also, yeah, like it's it's showing you know what happens when when you're comfortable, and you don't want to fuck with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really, really well said. Um, so let let's talk about this um, this absolutely horrifying. Uh, prison that we see throughout this so first of all have either of you I'm gonna guess I'm the only one who subjected myself to this have either of you watched George Lucas's first film THX 1138 I have not no you're not missing much Uh, Robert Duvall's in it Um, it's it is very very hard sci-fi like if you're not a hard sci-fi person you're not going to enjoy it this these episodes crib so much visually from that film. That Ooh. film, everyone's wearing white jumpsuits. They're in like almost all white rooms. Um, it is a very very, uh, as I said, it's, it's a very evocative looking film. Mm-hmm. It's it, it it's not great. It's okay, it, but it's, <laughs> it's not great. But a lot of the sort of like dystopian vibes that you get from this prison are very much present in that movie. But this, the first scene where Cassian winds up in this prison is one of the most jarring and, I think Matt said before, like, just very, very frightening and scary scenes in Star Wars. Um, He's, like, thrown in there. He gets shocked almost instantly to show, like, this is what happens when you don't do what you're supposed to do. He is pushed through all of these things that he doesn't really understand. I actually, uh, I saw someone point this out online. It's great. The first time that he's being pushed through, somebody says to him, "Move, move, stop, stop, move." They're giving him contradictory things to do, like in the same mm-hmm. moments. He is then he's put on this line where he's supposed to be building something. He doesn't know what he's doing. His team finishes last and gets zapped because he didn't know what he was doing. But nobody took the time to show him how he's doing, he's just thrown into this system that is utterly confusing and uncaring and terrible. And two things happen, which I think are both really interesting. The first one is that we see him assimilate into that system. And the second thing is, we see the system basically reveal itself for what it is which is just this horrible you know, system of lies. No one's getting out of there. And the horribleness of that system is what gets people who are prisoners, who theoretically are almost done, to rebel. And like Liz was saying, this shows not just what it takes for regular citizens to become rebels, this shows what it takes for prisoners to become rebels. Too. Even prisoners with positions of power. You know, mm-hmm. like Andy Circus. Who let's let's just shout out Andy Circus for a minute here. Yes. Um he is doing oh, incredible yeah. work here. Yeah, if you're listening, two thumbs up. Yes, thanks, Andy. I used yeah. to think you were just a motion capture guy. You've proven me wrong.
2: Listen, I love just as
0: Claw. As yep. I told Brian, yep. Kang's got to pull some
2: strings and get you back in the MCU, buddy.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, Liz, what what do you think of of this whole sequence?
1: I, I feel like you, I, I mean, you summed it up well. It was visually striking. It stuck with me after I watched uh, this episode or episodes. Um, and I I think you brought up um, uh, something along these lines earlier is uh, something I thought of is, you know, we judge a society or a group in power based on how they treat the people they incarcerate. And we see that here. Um, And I, you know, I I think we already know what the empire is like. Um, And the the wildest part is Cassian didn't even do what he was accused of. He's someone that the empire wants. They want to capture him and they have him. They just don't know it. Um, And, you know, technically he's just a low level offender. And this this is where he winds up. And the Empire doesn't realize that they built this system that does seem, at least with the people that we see, seems to bring them together in some way. Um, You know, I I was surprised that this group Cassian was working with didn't, they didn't fight each other. Um, They weren't squabbling. They all seemed to enjoy, I guess, some level of camaraderie. Maybe not with Andy Serkis at first, but, you know, that was by design also.
0: Right. Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting, you know, there's this narrative that we're fed, which is that because of the raid on Aldani, all of the imperial um like prison sentences are increased, right? That we're that we we are we are to see that due to Cassian's actions, he is um He is in prison for something he didn't even do. Like, like he's in prison for something he did, but not because he did it, essentially. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But then when you find out that everybody is, um, that that they're not letting anybody out of this place, that they're just keeping people there, then you start thinking, well, was was the Aldani thing just a convenient excuse to get more people for this Imperial factory? Mm -hmm. Like, is, you know... Is that just the cover story to getting to getting all of these extra extra workers here? Um, which yeah I, you know, yeah, I wouldn't put it past them. No, I think I think it was an
2: ex- an excuse. That's um, the other thing we've seen big acts of rebellion. I I did I guess didn't realize that stealing that money was the worst thing that we've seen rebels do. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Um, I guess because then the whole boot comes down on the entire galaxy, um, which is interesting, but yeah, I think it was an excuse. Uh, they, they just looking to, um, tighten the screws, which is, if you want to like zoom the picture out a little bit, it is what, um, like Luthen is looking for, but also kind of what Palpatine's looking for. Palpatine enjoys the rebellion. It is a breeding ground for, um, him to test the worth of his pupil. He can wipe them out whenever he wants and he chooses not to. Um, so I, I, I think it's a mutual benefit, um, in a weird sixth sense.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting way to put it. Yeah. Uh, I I am really interested to see sort of how this prison story resolves itself. Like this is this is one of the fun things about a prequel. I, I know that one of the frustrating things about a prequel is like you know ultimately Cassian is going to yeah. survive this, right? It's like yeah, you think he's going to get out of there? Is he going to get shot <laughs> right.
2: to death on the floor? Right. Yeah.
0: Like, like we know he's going to get out of there. But it seems like, I mean, I literally can't imagine how he can get out of there. Like I, even yeah. if he got past the guards on the floor, of which we know there are no more than 12 at a time, even <laughs> if he got past them, he doesn't have a ship there. There aren't just going to be, like, random ships there. You know? Well, I, it, it, it's it's It's
2: what Star Wars does a lot with its prequel nonsense, is that it's high-intensity, low-stakes.
0: Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody pointed out online, which I did not recognize. One of the rebel, one of the prisoners, rather, is a character from Rogue One. Uh-huh. Oh. he is um, basically just one of the soldiers. I want to say he's the soldier that, um, like, maybe he goes with them to Scarif and dies on Scarif. Hmm. Um but I I would I mean look the first two times I saw Rogue One I couldn't tell you any of the characters names let alone no. like the most minor characters names <laughs> so <laughs> forgive me for not recognizing random dude's name um but yeah uh and the the, the scene I really want to talk about is the scene of Olaf the old man's death this week mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like first of all I don't think Star Wars has ever shown anything that clinically cold before. Ugh. And it was, I mean, to see an old man euthanized. God damn, I mean, it was it was hard to watch. Mhm. Um just and and it's funny cuz everybody there except for the empire is sort of trying their best. Like even the doctor guy like you know Obviously, who's he's a prisoner, right? Who's a prisoner? Yes, he you know, he is a prisoner that is trying his best here. And I, I certainly don't think that he is in the right by any means here. Um But, you know, he is trying his best to make this guy's the end of this guy's journey as painless as possible. But, you know, he says to Cassian and Keno, like, hold his legs and hold his shoulders because you don't know what's going to happen when this when this all goes down like it's just it's such an incredibly dark scene and i totally understand why this is the thing that would push kino over the edge and 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 start talking about and start talking about trying to escape like it is it is such a bleak scene
1: yeah, I, I feel like mm-hmm. between that and then the news they hear from whatever level it was, um, yeah, when Number they two. killed everyone and that they're not actually going to be leaving, I, mm-hmm. I feel like those two intertwined is enough to push him.
0: Yeah, um, the the prison stuff is just it is it manages to be really bleak, but also not necessarily, um. Like, this doesn't seem outside of the bounds of what the Empire would do. Mm-hmm. This no, seems no. very realistic for the Empire.
1: hmm Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's bleak, but also I feel like there's that little kind of spark of the prisoners have some sort of camaraderie. It's not completely lost.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
2: and I, I think... I, I think it's a like a very well done and visually and storyline and all of that. It'd be a really fantastic story if it wasn't about Cassian Andor. <laughs> Who now I, we've walked away from two backstories about, um, because remember in the last story arc when we learned about him being the soldier, yeah. yes, that's gone. Now he's prisoner with um hot girlfriend he left on a whatever vacation planet that was
0: it, so. it, she has a name it's bix it has a name it's ferrix okay uh no i was talking about the one who oh, sent oh. him out for sorry uh... he has too many hot girlfriends i, I can't keep yeah. him, <laughs> i can't keep track of them all <laughs> um that planet's name is niamos Nyamos. and it was clearly miami <laughs> Like, <laughs> there, there's some real Miami vibe, Miami Vice Mianos. vibes. Yeah, there's some real Miami Vice vibes of that like first yeah, like I... crane shot of the beach. Yeah. yeah. Um. So my last question for you guys is, you know, and this is just a, this will be obsolete by the time this episode goes live. Do you think that we're that this is the last arc of the series of the season rather? will all these plot points resolve in episode 12 or is this just a four episode arc that we're going to get, you know, a two episode sort of coda here.
2: Um I I I I'm going to go with answer C and it's going to be another four episode arc that leaves us with nothing resolved until season 2.
0: Well, I I don't disagree with that, but do you think that there's going to be um are we going to get resolution to this particular like to specifically to the prison story do you think that will resolve this year or no
2: i do i think that i think the prison thing will, will resolve um i don't know where the imperial end of it is gonna end up that I, uh, that i don't have a prediction
1: for
0: mm-hmm. what about you liz
1: yeah, I think the prison storyline will resolve. I also have some hope that... I don't know what they're building in that prison. It looks like just a part of something. But I really hope <laughs> Cassian either has to steal it or gets to destroy one of them as some sort of catharsis, some sort of moment of catharsis. <laughs> it,
2: yeah, it does where, very much feel like a like a Jetsons factory where he's just making <laughs> widgets.
0: See, and, and to me... I don't know if this has been said anywhere. I just presume it's parts for the Death Star. Yeah. I think pretty much oh, yeah. anything the Empire is building at this point is just parts for the Death Star.
1: So ultimately, he will have a hand in it then. So, yes. all right. Yes. Yeah,
2: that Yeah, that might be. Yeah, cuz the raw material, yeah.
1: Okay.
0: Okay. I again, I have no evidence of that. That's just that's just like and maybe that's just being maybe that's just lazy on my part, but it feels like that is what the empire is building in this era.
1: I mean, there have been so many Death Stars. You just kind of lob it out there; you're going to hit one.
0: <laughs> that, that is true.
1: So I'm, I'm trying to think.
2: Oh man, I don't know timelines. With hmm, I don't know if this is before or after Saw finds out about Geonosis.
0: Um. I don't know. It's an excellent question.
2: Yeah. Oh, well.
0: Yeah. Well, we will have answers to some of these questions when we return in a few weeks. Uh, I guess we'll probably just wait till the end of the season to talk about the show again, which uh, lines up with our schedule, I think, relatively nicely, so that's good. Um, but, you know, I am very interested to hear – you know, it's funny. I have a couple of friends who listen to our show, and they all – I just can't believe how Matt isn't liking this enough. Um, whereas I keep saying, like, no, that's the best part of our show right now is that Matt disagrees with us on something. And that's that's yeah. a good thing. Um,
2: I, I don't know. I I can recognize it has very good pieces to it. It does not assemble together into much.
0: And that's why we have him on the show, folks. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was going to say, I, I would really love to get uh, more conversation about this going, so tweet at us. Uh, Matt's on Twitter at MattDLegory. I am on Twitter at app. And, uh, you know, let us know if you're Team Matt or Team Brian on this. I I... I, I I don't know why I'm putting myself in this. Team Matt or Team The World, since everybody else I know seems to really enjoy this show. So uh, just let us know what you think. And remember, until next time, the Force will be with you always.